It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. And we've been doing our bracketology, but I want to save stuff for the week, because you guys got to realize... With COVID-19 and the coronavirus spread still in effect and sports kind of taking a turn downhill right now, we have to budget it. Like, like that's the only way I can tell you guys that this is how the show has to go right now because of, say I use up all my info and all my stuff in one single day. Unfortunately, that leads to a lot of downtrodden moments in the sport. That leads to a lot of downtrodden or lesser moments on the show, and I want to give you as much content as I possibly can, and I can't do that when I put everything on one day. So this week, we're going back to Ask and Aggies. We're going to find out the questions that we like the best, find out the stuff that you know people are wanting to know about the sport, what we could be potentially seeing in certain areas, what will be the upcoming date. There's actually a coronavirus question on here, so we'll be breaking all that down. But before we begin, make sure you're following us on our social media platforms at Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M. You can check out all of our great stuff found at the Locked On Podcast Network. And second, you can follow me at Mr. Cole Thompson if you like me. If you don't, if you want to give me constructive criticism, what I do right, what I do wrong, it doesn't really matter. I just want your opinion. So simple. It's at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am a mister. My name is Cole Thompson. That's it. Don't wear it out. At Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. Before we begin with the Asking Aggies portion, there is a section I do want to talk about, and it is how people are dealing with the coronavirus. And one former AM player actually took the time to talk to others via his platform to be able to kind of give an update of what's going on with him and what's going on around the league. Uh, and that would be Daniel House. House, who's now a member of the Houston Rockets, wrote a Player Tribune story earlier this week uh, that he and the rest of his team were on a flight when the team started to receive word that the season had been suspended. This was a quote that he actually came out with. This hit, and it was serious. Our team started doing what the league told them in order to make sure everyone was good. I knew right away I wasn't going to get back to my family and loved one. That was the whole team's priority. The former Aggie guard uh, added that he was shocked to hear the news, but undoubtedly knew that this was every decision made to be put on notice. In mornings, I wake up like, damn. I got nothing to do today, House wrote. Uh, My brain is almost instinctively says, damn, I wish I could go play basketball. I roll over, grab my phone, there's news, everything's worse. He's just another guy who's kind of dealing with everything else that's going on, but he does have time to take care of his three kids at the house, uh, do chores, play basketball in his backyard when he can. I love being a dad. My daughter and my old son are kind of aware of everything going on right now, believe it or not. They're techno babies, so they can sense everything. And he also wrote about AM in general and every single player who missed out on the NCAA tournament. Keep in mind that two weeks ago, when all this stuff started coming out, it also was stated that AM uh, would not be playing in the SEC tournament. The tournament would be postponed, uh, would be canceled for the year. And then a day later, the NCAA ruled that the NCAA tournament, March Madness, one of the biggest games of the year, would also not go through. Uh, so he actually reached out to them saying that while this could be a life-changing opportunity for some players, uh, he wanted to give them advice on how to deal with not getting the opportunity right now in this part of their life. 
To those younger guys that will miss the tournament that you've waited for your whole life, keep your head high. Understand that God makes no mistakes. If they provide you with an opportunity to play it in a later date, go ahead and do it. Senior year, I know you want that feeling. God makes no mistakes. Continue to hold your head high, work hard, and I'll see you soon. But finally, he ended up closing out with talking about how social distancing and staying away from others might be the best pace of action right now, just in case you are still one of the people who do want to go out and see people, even if you can't. Self-quarantine. Just have to stock up and do the best we can to be prepared. There's so much going on in the news, in politics, but we can't let ourselves get distracted. We have to get in gear and lock into whatever we need to do for our families. This is a sad time, of course, but I really hope that we, that after we get through this sad time, we come together and actually be together. That we spread positivity and show love. I love that last line because... I've really looked at the world right now, and I'm going to get a little political for a second, and I don't mean to. I just mean to bring it up in conversation because this is what's going on. There's so many people pointing blame at certain groups and certain societies, and whether you are a left or a right or a Democrat or Republican or you know, you're know you anything out there or whatever you identify as or anything like that, everyone is affected by this. The sporting world is dead. We are trying our best to keep things afloat and let you guys deal with something positive, but it's kind of hard to do so because there's nothing really to say. There's days where I sit in my office and I sit at home and I'm wondering, what can I talk about today that involves Texas A&M? And without sports, it's nothing. You can't even bring up conversation around like the NFL, even if there are a few guys who recently signed. By the way, we'll get to that in a couple minutes, but overall... You have to spread everything out so everyone's affected. Players are affected because they're not going to be able to play in the game that they've wanted to be a part of since probably they were 9 or 10 years old. Coaches are affected because any coach could make or break their season. Some coaches who would be sitting on the hot seat definitely could have earned the right to earn a contract extension. They now have to go ahead next year and prove it again. The world of athletics in general Graphic designers, social media coordinators, team reporters, journalists, in-house ticket sales people. I mean, you just saw a couple days ago that an NHL team, I won't name them, laid off 58 employees temporarily saying that they will do their best to bring them back and cut wages on another 42 just to be able to stay afloat. It doesn't matter which way you lean in the political side. You're affected by this. And it's a problem that we have to address at some point. So living in Texas, we know that there are viruses still spreading around. Now, are they as definitional as some other places like Seattle or even New York or maybe some parts in California? No, they're not. But that doesn't mean that just because of it's not as strong there that you have to be addressing it here. You have to address it no matter where you are because this is something going on globally. I can tell you from when I was a little kid, when 9-11 happened, I was in second grade and I remember coming home to the sound of my mom crying, my dad, we didn't know where he was at the time, we didn't know, because he's a pilot, so he flew everywhere. And it was a scary time. But that was the last time I remember the country as a whole banded together, 
put down the arms, laid down their weapons of hate, and banded together to become a better country. And the world stopped pointing fingers at the United States for just a little while in order for them to help us out when we were in a time of need. It's the same thing in 2020. We're still trying to be better. So my advice to you is don't look at a person based off if they're red or blue. Look at the person based off their content of character. And if they are a person who maybe needs some help, offer it. Don't sit on the sidelines when you have a chance to make a shot and make a person's life better. Even if it's just for a split second. One act of kindness creates a ripple effect that will allow you to be able to expand your horizons. And I think that's the whole point of this. Stay strong, but remember, follow whatever you can. Because the sooner this ends, the sooner normalcy sets back in. And the sooner that we get a normal day, we get better content. And that's really the way I say it. We got to ask it Aggies coming up next. We also have a couple of players who recently signed deals from AM's history. So we'll be breaking down those deals, what they mean, and your questions in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas AM. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you like quality content? by people who understand the sport, know what they're talking about, and want to provide great access for you, the local fan. If so, why not download LockedOnPodcast.com? We have over two dozen college sports shows, plus a ton of NHL, NFL, NBA, MLB, and fantasy sports ready for your listening ears. So go ahead, don't waste any more time. If you like this show, I'm sure you have another favorite team out there. Go ahead and follow that team at LockedOnPodcast.com. Before we get to your questions, we have two former Aggies making their mark in the NFL, signing brand new deals. First up, Jermaine Effetti. He played for the Seattle Seahawks after being drafted with the 31st overall pick back in the 2015 NFL draft, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was the year that the Patriots didn't have a pick. So, he's now going to the Chicago Bears on a one-year deal. This could be a year where maybe he's trying to figure things out. Do I think he will start immediately? No. You have Charles Leno, Leno and Bobby Massey still in the ways. But Massey struggled a little bit in pass protection last year. Maybe if Freddie has a strong training camp, strong summer, good preseason, maybe you start to see him as a more physical presence on the offensive line. Maybe he'll start earning some reps and pushing one of them out of the way, possibly. But he's going to start for sure on the year as a backup. Other one, Cedric Obwehi, he will sign a one-year deal with the Seattle Seahawks as more than likely a Fetty's replacement. But here's the thing with a Fetty. You know what you're going to get with him in Chicago. Obwehi is always going to be a risk. And he's been a risk since he was at Texas A&M. And that's not a shot at the guy because of he was a fantastic tackle. He really was. But unfortunately, the problem was he tore his ACL in the Liberty Bowl to close out his college career, and that hurt him. No one really knew what was going to come of that. And, you know, unfortunately for Cincinnati, you banked on a guy who you hoped was going to be your next franchise left tackle with the number 21 overall pick, and you got really nothing of him. 
Once his four-year contract was up last year, he spent a year as the swing tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Never started, but he saw action in 14 games. Now the former All-American is on the reserve. Uh, he's on the move again. Uh, according to uh, Brady Anderson of ESPN, he signed a one-year deal worth $2.3 million with $500,000 guaranteed. The salary is then $1.3 with another $500,000 if he is suited up for all 16 games. Now, the biggest thing is with injuries like that, ACLs, you never know what you're going to get. and You've already seen a boy he struggled. They tried him at left tackle. It did not work out. They moved him to right tackle. They moved Jake Fisher over to left tackle. It did not work out. They brought in Cordy Glenn, and maybe that was going to be the move that helped out. He still struggled. He was a reserve last year. Maybe now he's going to be that guy to kind of step up and be the pick. Hopefully, but we don't really know with that right now. You know, you look at all the offensive tackles who have been successful from A&M in the last decade. Luke Jokel, number two, he fizzled out in five years. Jake Matthews, he got a contract extension. He's still the left tackle for Atlanta. He's been serviceable. He's had three, I think, really standout years, two average years. And then you look at Abwehi and Afedi. They both at least have a shot to stay inside of it, inside the playing system at some capacity, I think. All right, moving on. Asking Aggies time. We have questions coming our way. This one comes from AM Fan123. They ask, who will hurt the most from missing Pro Day? Uh, that's a simple one because if there's really only five draftable guys from AM this year in Courtney Davis, Justin Matabike, Braden Mann, and Kendrick Rogers, and they all went to Indianapolis. They all at least had a shot to show scouts what they have. Debony Renfro doesn't. Renfro, he was a cover corner on the outside. He excelled against the run, played, I think, in a total of 10 games this year. He was suspended for the first two due to personal conduct with Jimbo Fisher. He had some shining moments. He didn't make any interceptions, but he did have quality play and coverage. A lot of people said that the move for him would be going towards safety once he got to the next level. But you don't know what you have. You don't have 40 times. You don't have measurables you don't have any statistic you're not able to see him up close in one-on-one drills with his back pedal with his opening with his downfield attack you don't understand what he's gonna be and that's what hurts him you have no idea what you're getting you're getting a blank slate with this guy and for a player who is already gonna be a fringe draft prospect as in a guy who actually gets drafted when you don't have a pro day your one shot of actually being serviceable and showing scouts, no matter if it's all 32 or 25 scouts, the film goes out to every team. If you don't have that, you're kind of in dead man zone. You're just kind of banking on hopefully your last season was successful. And Renfro's was up and down. I mean, Elijah Blades saw just as many snaps as him as a junior college transfer as Miles Jones did, and him as a three-year veteran. You don't have that. So I think right now, Renfro's the one on the outside looking in. Matt Abike will get drafted. Courtney Davis will get drafted. Those two are set. We already know that those two are going to be players that you add at the next level that are going to make sense. But what about the rest? I mean, Mann is a punter who, if you want to take a punter, you take them day three. 
you take them with like the sixth or seventh round pick, and that's if you're so secure on every other position at depth, and you know there's going to be a guy who possibly hits the free agent market as an undrafted free agent that you can bring in for competition. If you feel comfortable with that, draft a punter, draft a long snapper, draft a kicker, go what you want. If not, undrafted free agent. Kendrick Rogers, down, down, down year. But his measurables in Indianapolis actually were just as strong as Davis, who will probably be a fourth or fifth round selection. Add all that together, if you have three undrafted guys, and at least one for sure, Renfro's the odd man out. Yeah, I mean, you could throw Colton Prater and Charles Oliver in there if you really wanted to, but I don't think that they count as much just because of you don't really think that they're going to have their shot at the next level. Renfro, I think, does, but unfortunately, without a pro day, you don't know what you're getting. You have no idea, and you have to just bank on what he did last year. That It's going to transition. We still have a few more questions with Ask and Aggies this Friday afternoon, and we'll be breaking those down in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Aggie, uh, Locked On Aggies. Again, it's Ask and Aggies Day. We have players and we have questions that we're going to have answered. Here comes the next one from Myrna. Myrna asks, which free agent signing from A&M was your favorite? I mean, there's only one. I think wherever Michael Bennett goes might be my favorite because if he goes to a contender, you know you're at least going to get a serviceable defensive lineman who in the past has shown his ability to make plays and at one point was one of the most physically dominating defensive linemen in the sport. So I think that that would be my favorite. But right now it's Ryan Tannehill. And Tannehill is a risky one to say because, yes, last year what he did, NFL Comeback Player of the Year, Helps his team to go 7-3. and three. Leads the offense with the help of Derrick Henry. I'm throwing that in there because I have to. Anyone who watched the games last year knows Derrick Henry played just as big as a part as Ryan Tannehill, especially in the playoffs. But the two of them led their team to the AFC Championship. They took down Tom Brady in Foxborough. They took down MVP Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. They kind of played smart ball for a while against Kansas City, and then eventually Patrick Mahomes just went Patrick Mahomes. It's a risky move because of, yeah, one year of fantastic football, three years of probably average football, maybe slightly above, and the rest either injured or nonchalant play. That's Ryan Tannehill going into his age 31 season. I like the move because if you're keeping the core together, Derrick Henry signed the fran- uh, will be on the franchise tag. More than likely, they'll have a deal for him in place to keep him around for the long-term future. They freed up some cat space by releasing Jarrell Casey and Delaney Walker, or I guess trading Casey, to the D- Denver Broncos for a seventh-round pick. All of that makes a ton of sense. It does. And it's something that I look at and just go, yep. If this is the same team coming back, which outside of Jack Conklin, which at pick 29, you probably can draft a tackle. I do think that there are tackles in the first and second round that you can see as day one starters. You have the same offense pretty much back. But again, there's not a lot to go off of. You're banking on him being this great player 
that hopefully will continue the success he had last season going into the future. Do I think that this stops Tennessee from drafting a quarterback? Absolutely not. They don't have a serviceable one. Logan Woodside, I love Logan Woodside. He is a friend of mine. We worked together in San Antonio. He was the franchise quarterback for the San Antonio Commanders. But I don't think he's a starter. And I definitely do not think he's going to be a guy who is nothing more than a backup in the NFL. Serviceable for sure, but I don't know what capacity. You add all that together, I just sit here and go, okay, what can we do to make this work? You have to draft a quarterback just to back him up. If the deal plays in his favor and he does have the success, he's absolutely worth every single penny of that $118 million contract. I have no problem with that. But if not, is Tennessee setting themselves back in a year where the AFC is in shambles? Yeah, you do have a good, solid quarterback in Tannehill when healthy and when on point. But Jacksonville's depleting. They have Yannick Ngakwe, who's probably getting traded for a first or second round pick or something along the lines of that. They have Gardner Minshew, DJ Shark, uh, Leonard Fournette, and Miles Jack. And that's about their talent. That's about it. Houston? They just trade away an all-pro wide receiver for chump change. That's the only way to put it. That's the only way to put DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson in a second-round pick into, into clarification. That's it. Like, if you don't have that, you have nothing. And then you also have Indianapolis, who you have no idea what you're getting with Phillip Rivers. You really don't. Two years ago, he was an MVP caliber quarterback. And right now, he's not. He had one of his worst statistical seasons last year and still got a one-year $25 million deal to go to Indianapolis. Tennessee needs to hope that Tannehill will bank because if he doesn't and he busts, they're going to be down in the trot, and it's pretty much going to be which 7-9, and 8-8 team represents the AFC South. And you don't want that with the defense that you have in Tennessee and the offensive pieces that could be special for the team. You don't want that. You never want that. Final question comes from Tim Light. Tim asks, which freshman are you most excited to see whenever football returns to normal order? That's simple. Demon Demas. It, 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 I'm not even going to spend a lot of time on this question. Because of he's a player who didn't play his last year of high school because of eligibility issues when he tried to transfer to Tomball. But he still was a guy who made a name for himself in the Polynesian Bowl. He still was a guy who had, you know, had good stock, had good, you know, good numbers before then. And there's an opening at the flanker position. Kendrick Rogers is gone and you need that big frame receiver to take over for AM. That's for me. Demon Demas. He will start in some capacity during his freshman year. I don't know if he'll play all 14 games, but you don't sit, as my brother says, as my dad says, as everyone says, you don't sit a Ferrari in the garage to collect dust. This is a game-changing wide receiver who had a five-star even after he didn't play an entire season due to eligibility issues. 
He still earned a five-star rating from 24-7 Sports, from Scout.com, from ESPN. He was the number two receiver in the nation on some boards. I think he was the number eight overall receiver consensusly. You don't sit him when you have a need a wide receiver. And yeah, Cameron Buckley, some other smaller names who didn't have the big bigger role last year. I get it. But you're returning Javon Osmond. You have to find him a complimentary weapon or else you're going to get eaten alive. Even if you use a double tight end set with both Baylor Cup and Jalen Weidemeyer, it makes sense. You have two incredible athletes at the position. You still need a number one receiver. And that, to me, is where I see someone like Demas stepping up immediately and becoming an, an early contribution player to AM's offense. That's going to do it for this week of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Locked on Aggies and at Mr. Cole Thompson. On Monday, our Sweet 16 begins. And let me just give you a rundown on who will be featured in our Sweet 16. Fighting for the shot to earn the right as the number one Aggie athlete of all time. Von Miller, Johnny Manziel, Kevin Smith, DeAndre Jordan, Datnew Wing, Miles Garrett, AC Law, Aaron Glenn, John David Crow, Mike Evans, Richmond Webb, and Chris Middleton, along with Sam Adams, Chuck Nobachak, Quentin Corrett, and Ray Childress will battle it out in the Sweet 16 to claim victory as the number one 12th man. We will see you on Monday, but before you do, make sure you listen to some of our other shows like Locked On SEC, Locked On Big Ten, Locked On Big 12, and of course, the Locked On College Football Show with Jordan Reed. We'll see you on Monday, and remember, you give me all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.